Hello, hello. Uh, we don't have any music today. I hope you all don't mind, but let's get into today's news. One second, here we go. Um, oh, this is for December 20th, 2022. And the title for this episode is The Fastest Land Animal is the Panera Mobile Order Thief and more news. Let's get going. Hey, you know what I'm doing? I'm looking at the wrong thing. That's okay, though. Let's do the first article. This is over in the continuity report. You see everything okay? What is that right there? Is there anything right there? I don't know. Anyway, um, so I am Mayor Watt. This is Omtown Daily News Show. That is Omtown over there. And around everywhere in the ether that is Omtown is the artificial intelligence who has not decided on a name yet. <laughs> that runs Omtown. I prefer my anonymity. Your anonymity. <laughs> We've been drinking all day. So, no, that's not true. So this first article, that we're going to start off with a, a big, huge, massive news article. Hallmark Channel announces first 2023 Christmas movie, Bethany Joy Lenz and Christopher Paloha. Is that how you pronounce their name? Paloha. Paloha. Uh, to star, I, I figured my artificial intelligence that runs Omtown would know, considering they are, from my understanding, um, you've hacked your way into a Hallmark Channel and you watch all of the movies and that's where you get your relationship experience so that you can interact with the denizens of Omtown. Absolutely. And I've learned the key to uh, relationships are uh, snowball fights and cookie decorating and, and things along those lines. Uh, I'm going to have to disconnect you from Christmas movie. I guess what I, what would you call that? It's like a, a gold mine of Christmas movies over at Hallmark. Uh, Hallmark Channel is planning ahead next month. The network will begin production on their first holiday movie of 2023, The Biltmore Christmas, led by the two I already mentioned. And they'll film entirely on the Biltmore Estate in Asheville, North Carolina. It says A, National Historic. Uh, shouldn't it just say an historic landmark? Is it national? It's weird. I don't know. I think, Yeah. <laughs> And historic would be good. I've never really even liked saying that word, and historic like that. It's and historic. Anyway, it's classic holiday traditions, known for its classic holiday traditions. Let's take a look at the article. It's over at Variety. Emily Longaretta is the author. So these are the two, huh? Yes, those are um, some of the stars of Hallmark. And they're known for being good. Yes, I could rattle off some other Christmas movie names for each of them, I think. Really? Can I can I put my artificial intelligence on the spot like singing yesterday? Oh, goodness. 
I, I can't carry a tune. <laughs> I can give you the names and you can put them into a tune. Go for it. Go for it. Go for it. Uh, Christmas Secret. Um, uh, five Star Christmas. Um, bottled with Love. Um, oh, my goodness. The uh, Murder 101 mystery series for um, the actor here, Christopher Blaha. Um, Hearts of Christmas. Um, Pearl uh, in Paradise. <laughs> oh, you could keep going. I'm just going to. Well, it says down here, Paloa has starred in seven Mystery 101 films on Hallmark Movies and Mysteries, as well as multiple original films for Hallmark Media. And Lens is best known for One Tree Hill and has starred in many movies for Hallmark through the years, including Poinsettias for Christmas, Bottled with Love, which you already mentioned, Five Star Christmas, which you already mentioned, and An Unexpected Christmas. This is uh, this is wrong. Poinsettias for Christmas isn't from Hallmark. It's from another outlet. Oh, oh, Shade Throne. Oh, my. Okay. We'll have to look into it. So it says official description for a Biltmore Christmas is Lucy Collins, whose lens is a screenwriter who lands a job of a lifetime when she's hired to write. Oh, my gosh. I can't get through this without saying... It always ends up being that somebody is an independent writer and somebody else is going to be independently wealthy. And the people that are the inhabitants of said whatever space are all independently wealthy, making at least every man, woman, child, infant, anything. I mean, we're talking like maybe even fetuses are making $150,000 a year on average. Anyway. So it says, uh, hired to write the script for a remake of the beloved holiday movie, His Merry Bride. Was that real? Do you know if that's real? First filmed in 1947 at beautiful, beautiful Biltmore House. Let me search my uh, intelligence and I'll get back to you. It has long been considered a Christmas classic. As Christmas approaches, Lucy travels to Biltmore Estate for research. She joins a guided tour of the grounds. And I feel like I can go off the script here by saying she slips and falls, loses her memory, ends up in the hospital, falls in love with the nearest uh, caretaker, and ends up uh, getting her memory back. But the guy that she was supposed to be with was a complete tool and they uh the 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 caretaker and her fall madly in love and live happily ever after i'm i'm probably wrong but i bet you this is a good script too i'm gonna research it's about uh far for the course uh doesn't look like his married bride is a real movie there's a lot of other names that are kind of similar but not that one gotcha when Lucy accidentally knocks it over, she finds herself transported back in time to 1946, the golden age of Hollywood, as cast and crew prepare to film His Merry Bride. Eh, it'll probably be interesting, and I'll end up watching it. Probably with the artificial intelligence that runs hometown. <laughs> Let's go on to the next article. NASA Mars lander InSight falls silent after four years. I guess the adage seen and not heard doesn't really count here. It could be the end of 
the red dusty line for NASA's InSight lander, which has fallen silent after four years on Mars. So it's out of sight now? You're fired. The lander's power levels have been dwindling for months because of all of the dust coating its solar panels. I say we should send Musk. And he can go there with a squeegee and wipe off its solar panels. I mean, I don't know why not. He could use uh, SpaceX or something to get there. So ground controllers at Jet... Uh, sorry, not at Jet Propulsion Laboratory. It's California's Jet Propulsion Laboratory. Knew the end was near, but NASA reported that Insight unexpectedly didn't respond to communications from Earth on Sunday. I wonder if a a storm a, a storm could blow it over and um not blow it like wipe all of the dust off of the solar panels and it'll kick back up um let me do something did i say the author for the first one yeah emily longaretta i did but not the nasa one it's probably nasa oh marcia dunn pardon me Let's uh, keep on going through this. The team will keep trying to contact Insight just in case. That's always, that's natural. I hope that some wind kicks up and uh, gets all the dust off of it. But I, I think that we ended up talking at one point about what the average wind speed is. And it was about 70 miles per hour, I think, uh, the top speed. Wasn't the average speed something like 15 miles per hour? Yeah, yeah. So pretty much Earth. Just a little bit dusty. In a stroke of luck, the whirling column of dust blew directly over the lander in 2021 when its microphone was on. So that's how it knew that there was a dust devil and it... Let's see, what else? The seismometer readings shed light on Mars's interior. Just last week, scientists revealed that InSight scored another first, capturing a Martian dust devil. Not just in pictures, but the sound. It's pretty neat. So hopefully, the uh, power will restore and it'll reboot if it's off and suddenly gets a surge. So... Uh, what happens with some like computers when we plug them into uh, Ethernet cables, if there is a voltage change, the Ethernet port will wake up the computer and it's wake on LAN. And um, it's pretty neat. So maybe that's what will happen. It'll wake on power uh, from its solar panels. That's I guess this one was under budget. Lasted four years. Um, what's the average government contract? Is there an average government contract? Five years? Five years. It's not under budget. I don't think the budget's in sight. <laughs> uh, never mind. So this next article is over on the Law Nerd channel. Judge ruled on traffic citations before hearing date to cover the planned absence ethics complaint alleges so i just want to draw everybody's attention to this um, ethics is the smallest chapter in every single book relating to either it could be law it could be business it could be anything medicine all kinds of stuff it's the smallest chapter and it's because 
Well, everything can be really squishy. So if a person is having a hearing before the date um, and uh, is already convicting people for <laughs> whatever their transgressions might have been, might have been, um, I think this is an ethical thing, right? So they get these complaints. Well, this article is over at the ABA Journal, Deborah Kessens Weiss. You're an AI and you're going to be uh, assigned to what filter through all of the law articles and uh, assigned to cases and going through all of that kind of stuff. How many ethical violations do you think you'll run across? Uh, at least one a day. I mean, there's probably a lot out there. If I'm sifting through enough data, there's probably quite a few. So is it the biggest way that you can lose your law license? Uh, my understanding is commingling of funds. Now, is that an ethical violation or is that something else? Uh, yeah, client trust funds are usually the first source of losing a law license. Either commingling it, absconding with it, using it for personal use, etc. So this here is a municipal judge in Philadelphia is accused of trying to cover up her upcoming absence by ruling on traffic citations before the scheduled hearing date, marking some ticketed people as guilty in absentia. I think maybe it's kind of temporal dyslexia where she's the one that is in absentia and well, they're just guilty because she's not there. That's how it works, right? That's how law works. <laughs> no. <laughs> oh, it doesn't? Oh. Judge Marissa J. Brumbach of the Philadelphia Municipal Court traveled to Florida even though the presiding municipal court judge did not approve her request to take a day off for the trip January 7th. Well, it's interesting that it's January 7th. Maybe uh, is it the same January 7th? Was it in 2022? Oh, it was probably in 2022, but yeah, that does raise some other questions. <laughs> <laughs> so she took the day off according to the December 14th ethics complaint attached to a December 19th press release. You know you're up a creek when there's a press release about your ethical violation. Now, press release by the Pennsylvania Judicial Conduct Board. And um, they've scheduled a January 4th, 2023 hearing. Wow, one year from start to finish. There were 95 citations for that day. <laughs> 28 were marked as guilty in absentia. 30 were marked as not guilty in absentia. 17 were marked as withdrawn and 20 were adjudicated, but scribbled on in a manner indicating that the adjudication had been vacated. According to the complaint. <laughs> How do you think those were picked? Do you think they were just thrown up in the air or something? That's really interesting. 95 traffic violations that were filed, huh? So literally, uh, 30, 30, 2020. That's basically what it looks like. Yeah, I wonder if she was looking through 
AI or something and going, oh, 30% of these or whatever are uh, usually not guilty or something. She's got that quantum computer from yesterday's show. Yeah, I guess she was able to afford it. Uh, she must have purchased it. Uh. <laughs> Brumbuck had sent an email to the presiding judge January 6th that read, I'm off storming Congress. Uh, wait, no, that's not what she said. Um, she wrote, since I have not heard from you regarding coverage, I am aware you are experiencing coverage issues across the municipal court with other judges. I have prepared the files for tomorrow after the assistant district attorney reviewed them. As such, at least 95% of the files will have been completed with, uh, by me without the necessity of coverage. If court remains open tomorrow with the impending snow forecast and anyone shows up, my staff and the court staff know what to do. Huh. I guess it's write them off and send them on their way. You know what? This probably came to light because the court was closed. So how were all these hearings held on that day? <laughs> yeah, that's what it says right there, huh? The court was closed January 7th because of a snow emergency. Huh. That overachieving judge. You just cannot stop the slow march of judicial, <laughs> I don't know what to say, Judi judicial completeness. I've got to get my hours in. <laughs> well, I was thinking more judicial decorum or uh, something along those lines, but... The ethics complaint alleges that Brumbuck engaged in conduct that prejudices the proper administration of justice in violation of the Pennsylvania Constitution. Yeah, I agree. Let's go on to the next article. The uh, next article is over on the Hatch Ideas channel, Portia. And I believe it is pronounced Portia because, oh, do you know what the difference is between a Porsche and a porcupine? <laughs> Is it the location of the pricks? Oh. Yes. And I'm sorry that I told you that joke before. So Porsche officials celebrated the beginning of e-fuel production with the filling of a Porsche 911 with the first synthetic fuel produced at the site. Let's just go over to the article. And this article is by Michael Wayland. Uh, over at CNBC it says officials say e-fuels can act like gasoline, allowing uh, vehicle owners a more environmentally friendly way to drive. I think this would be great if it weren't for act like gasoline and maybe they should change the term to will be gasoline, will replace gasoline, not act like it. It only gets you so far. It acts like it until you go a mile down the road. Or... And also, they don't mention that you've got to guzzle lots of fossil fuel to drive all the way to Chile to get to it. Oh, there is that catch, isn't there? Huh? Let's scroll down here a little and look at this. The German automaker owned by Volkswagen said Tuesday that a pilot plant in Chile started the commercial production of the alternative fuel. It's like alternative facts, uh, by mid-decade, 
Porsche is planning to produce millions of gallons of the e-fuel, and it's initially used for motorsports and at its performance experience centers, followed by other users in the years to come. Ultimately, the plan is for the fuel to be sold to oil companies. <laughs> why oil companies? Yeah, why are they in the picture? Why don't they go around the oil companies? If NVIDIA can directly sell their graphics cards for 1600 bucks and they spontaneously combust, uh, then maybe these uh, manufacturers could just send it to gas stations around the world. I guess it's because they have the supply chain in place, so they can sit there and... It might be to keep everybody happy, so if the oil companies are still in the mix, maybe they'll be more inviting of this. In the mix. That was funny. So e-fuels are a type of synthetic methanol produced by a complex processing using water, hydrogen, and carbon dioxide. Now that's pretty much all in abundance except for the water. So maybe they can burn some of that to do electrolysis on salt water to get fresh water to produce more fresh water to put into this fuel oh boy this is gonna get messy maybe i can drink this it, can i drink an e-fuel is that possible i wouldn't recommend that high octane marijuana. so the pilot project is about 130,000 liters or 34,342 us gallons those are freedom gallons um from what I've been told. So it was initially announced with Porsche in the late 2020 um, when uh, the automaker said it would invest $24 million in the development of the plant and e-fuels. Hey, anything that gets us away from fossil fuels will probably be good. Eh, I'm not too hip to the to the idea. I don't know why they would call it an e-fuel. It kind of muddies the water for EVs, electric vehicles, to call something an e-fuel. Is it supposed to be an ecologically friendly fuel? Is that the E in e-fuel? Somebody in marketing probably thought people would embrace it if it has E in it. It's the clickbait of fuels, huh? Yeah, there it is again, e-fuels. All right. Let's hustle through the next article. Uh, energy and environment is the category. It's over in the mobile channel. Uh, USPS to purchase all electric fleet starting in 2026. This is kind of a short article. It's over at the Hill. Rachel Frazen and Zach Budrick. Pardon me one second. <coughs> um, they wrote this article over for the Hill, and it says here, um, the EPA is finalizing tougher pollution standards for trucks, and Congress has released a bill to fund the government for 2023. Um, the Postal Service is going to spend some of that money on buying uh, the next generation of postal vehicle. It'll be 60,000 new trucks and cars, 45,000 of them electrified. Officials also said USPS intends to buy 21,000 additional electric vehicles from commercial automakers. Huh. Um, 
I know that DeJoy wanted to kind of, there's some dead air there. Sorry about that. Um, DeJoy wanted to basically limit it to 10%. That's what the article says. Um, but USPS, uh, depending on the route, it's pretty short. So maybe they're not going to be impacted by what is, to me, relatively short um, distance that a car, an electric vehicle can drive, and then large charging times, which means I am going to think that um, your letters are not going to get there uh, no matter, you know, the sleet, day of night, that kind of thing. What was that saying? That's, Do you remember right. it? Um, neither sleep nor hail or something like that. Like dark of night, I think, will stop us from delivering your mail. Well, I don't think that that's possible with this because if the vehicle intends to actually return home and only has 350 miles of electric battery charge time, that means that they're going to have to return after 175 miles um, and then charge. And the charging time can take hours. So it's not going to be very efficient in terms of delivery, but it'll be kinder and gentler to the environment. Well, we'll have to switch to something like every other day delivery, depending on how long the charging times are. They'll have really short shifts. Like you can only get your mail between 10 and 2 or something. So they're going to be the cable person? You're going to get your mail between 12 and 8 p.m.? Maybe. You know, they'll say between 10 and 2, but you'll get it at 8 or 4. I've actually had some packages marked as delivered and then they show up the next day. I always like that one. It's kind of like the McDonald's um, person at the counter, like marking it as completed so that they hit their timing goal, but they're still. I also get ones that I've picked up as delivered and then it'll say something like still out for delivery. Thinking, hmm, okay. A little delayed here, a little delay there. It's okay. We'll we'll just cope with it if that's our biggest problem, right? Except sometimes it's a big, big, big problem. So let's go on to the next article. Uh, let's see. Yeah, we're going to have a short show today, I think. Um, Elon Musk may restrict who can vote in some Twitter polls after users say he should step down. Uh, hours after Twitter users said he should step down from leading the company, Elon Musk uh, late Monday indicated that he would restrict who could vote in uh, Twitter-related policy polls. So a little background. I don't know if you know this. I watched this actually happen in real time, um, really because you just can't get away from Elon Musk news. Uh, it's the... Uh, so you're not supposed to look at the sun but that is what this dumpster fire is. And you just, you will go blind watching this. At any rate, so Elon Musk once posted a thing, should I step down? And everybody said unabashedly, oh yeah. And then he said, mm, too many options. Let's do it again. And it got worse. And then basically he ghosted everybody for a little bit. And then he posted an article or uh, another poll and said, um, should I let people vote on policy? And it says, so when I saw this, the person who posted this 
did not have 25,000 likes and, and retweets and whatever else you want to attach to it. There were like 200 at the time. So it really looked like Elon Musk had to dig to find somebody to say, you know, who should be able to vote on this only, uh, landowners. And so apparently freedom of speech and the ability, uh, the ability to take part in the, um, first amendment absolutist, uh, environment, uh, it will cost $8 if you are anything but Apple related and $11 if you are an Apple user, um, because Apple gets to squeeze the orange and, and get a little bit of juice. So this guy, this unfiltered, whoever, um, says blue subscribers should be the only ones that can vote in policy related polls. We actually have skin in the game as opposed to all of the people who are being marketed to constantly. That's always good when you have a voting system that people are paying. <laughs> yeah, there Numbers. was once a thing like, called I a think poll they're tax. They're kind of predisposed toward uh, <laughs> voting. Yeah. yeah, so if you're willing to pay Elon Musk for the blue check mark, I think you're probably in the fanboy camp or fan person camp. Let me be sensitive. Um, the fan person camp. And so you're going to vote to keep him as CEO, and you're going to vote to only allow fellow in-group members. This is a, a, this is a social, um, science, like basic concept of in-group marginalizing the out-group, even though the in-group is massively inferior in size, uh, there are not millions of people with blue check marks. There are probably less than 200,000 at this point. I don't know. I think the last number that I heard pre Musk takeover was 400,000 people had blue check marks, but it's a thread from Kim.com who, as far as I know, uh, wasn't relevant since 1999 other than criminal investigations and other ongoing things. Um, because I, I knew of him back pre.com bust, which is ironic considering his name is Kim.com. Well, and wasn't part of his issue was pumping up internet stock and then <laughs> dumping it. Yeah. Yeah. Speaking well, and hey, birds of a feather. So it says here, Twitter has been in a state of chaos since Musk's $44 billion purchase in October. And the fallout has been uh, hurting other companies that he is associated with, like Tesla. Um, the, his other companies like Boring is are boring and, and nobody really talks about them. And that neuro, uh, what is it called? I can't remember. Neuralink. Neuralink. Yeah, that's right. I don't know how I could forget that. I actually said it in my head, but Neuralink is too busy fending off the bad press of killing 1,500 animals. 
so that something that could literally type based on, well, see, it has a limit, right? So in every solution has a limit. So if you don't have the, the neural capacity to move a cursor around, you won't be able to type with your brain. If you don't have eyes, then, uh, the same thing goes for, if you, like, if you are blind, you don't have the ability to move a cursor around, um, using a camera that watches where you are looking. That is actually something that's available, but doesn't help people that are blind. Um, but there's no, this is a solution looking for a problem. Um, but maybe, maybe at some point, you know, I'd, I'd really like to cheerlead this technology because I want to be able to be in the matrix. I want to be able to just plug into a cyberpunk omniverse and operate at the speed of thought. And, um, Maybe in the future this is possible, but I don't know. I really don't like the idea of um, Musk being in charge of anything associated with brains. I'll just scroll back up. Okay, so let's go on to the next article. And this next article is over in uh, Hatch Ideas channel because it's about business. Researchers find new biomorphs hidden within Peru's mysterious Nazca lines, and it comes from Business Insider, so that's why it's over in the Hatch Ideas channel. Um, but this one is really interesting to me because I've known about the Nazca lines, I don't know, since I was a kid. Um, maybe you've heard of them. I don't know how far back. Maybe when you were just ones and zeros. Oh, I think I've seen them for, for eons. Ooh, you've been around for a while. Okay. So Catherine Tangalakis Lippert, I think that's how they pronounce their name, um, wrote this article for Business Insider. And did I say the name on the last person? I've gotten every one of them. Oh, Mike Murphy did the one about oh, sorry. Elon Musk it. may restrict who can vote in some uh, Twitter polls. Uh, what I'm going to end up doing, I didn't put this at the very beginning of the article uh, of the stream, so I'm going to have to go back and throw all of the articles in there. But researchers find new biomorphs hidden within Peru's m mysterious Nazca lines. And um, how many did you uh, read that there were discovered? 168, I think. Lions and tigers and bears, oh my. Or no, cats and killer whales and snakes, oh my. Pretty neat, right? What were their size? I don't know what their size are. Really? Oh. So let's uh, let's look. Let's scroll down a little bit. Oh, six to nineteen feet in length. There you go. Um, the massive carved trenches attributed by some to aliens. I don't know if that's really. Maybe somebody does, but. Um, are the latest addition to over 800 straight lines, 300 geometric figures, and 70 animal and plant designs, which are uh, which also called biomorphs, according to National Geographic. So this says uh, this is a, a general view 
shows one of the Nazca line images found in the Nazca Plain as part of research led by Peruvian and Japanese researchers from Yamagata University. <clears throat> this looks like a duck that's drooling. Is I can't it just tell me? Which end is up? So previously known lines measure as long as 1,200 feet. And uh, these geoglyphs date from 100 BCE to 300 CE, approximately 1,700 to 2,100 years ago. Oh, I was right. It looks like a duck to me now, even more so, huh? Yeah, but that might be one of the snakes or whales or something. I mean, how do we know that they were depicted <laughs> to match oh. our modern animals? Yes, that is a snake. Uh, I'm going to have to work on your image analysis algorithm. It even says the AI-based study is an expansion of previous research the scholars have conducted, which revealed 142 additional Nazca formations, including images of birds, monkeys, fish, snakes, and foxes. This is pretty cool. Uh, this one looks like Pigpen. With his wispy like hairs. A or a goat, maybe. <laughs> it looks like a person going, ooh. Yeah, I'm really going to have to work with you on your image analysis algorithm. Though the reason for the creation of the Nazca lines remains unknown, some archaeologists believe the shapes held a sacred purpose or were early irrigation lines. All right, early irrigation lines. I don't know about that. So in pop, in pop culture, the mysterious figures have prompted questions about whether they are created by alien visitors or as landing strips for ancient astronauts. Wouldn't that be... Uh, the landing strip is a Brazilian... Never mind. Super skinny. So... Uh, the next article is uh, the namesake to our title for the episode. Panera mobile order theft is so common that workers say they now have to keep bags behind the counter. Much like your, um, if you're going to go get medicine, they have it in a timed locker um, in the pharmacy. So now you're going to have to go and uh, give a blood sample and get a prescription from your cardiologist that you can have. Panera and there's going to be a copay at the cardiologist and uh, then you have to pay for your order at Panera and it but you know how the form you get your food exactly and you never know I mean insurance companies they're your food's going to oh, be yeah, cold they're going to deny your uh, your meal uh, I want my bread bowl I want my bread bowl why isn't it in the formulary everybody else gets a bread bowl Yeah, and what tier are the bread bowls going to be in? We know that's going to be highest like, tier. Yeah, tier 12. It doesn't even exist, but it's there. Panera workers place mobile orders on counters for customers to retrieve, but some workers say thefts are leading to orders being placed behind the counter instead, and that's going to slow down every uh, Panera 
employee. This article, by the way, is uh, over at businessinsider.com by Mary Meisenzel. And it says here, five Panera workers told Insider that thefts forced them to keep mobile orders behind the counter. Because you used to be able to just walk up to it and grab the one that is yours. Because uh, until thieves come, well, and let's just call it for what it is. Until scumbags come around and start snatching bags off of the counters, we could have nice things. But once they start finding out, hey, look, I can steal food from other people that are paying for it. Then when I go to get my order, I have to wait for them to remake it because it's not on the damn counter. I don't know. It just says Panera customers flock to its rapid pickup mobile ordering system, but some workers say it's leading to more thefts of bags waiting to be picked up at the restaurant. I could just walk up and grab two bags. You know, then I have lunch and dinner. Have you ever been the victim of a lost Panera speedy order? No, but I, um, I'm you're, involved in some of the processing of the orders. Yeah, you're an AI, so you don't really, do you, you get, you eat in bits? <laughs> yep, just small bits. The chain introduced rapid pickup for customers who order food to go in 2014 as part of its Panera 2.0 rebrand. Well, now it's going to be locked in a cage and there's going to have to be a manager. In Oklahoma, another worker said that the thefts were relatively rare, but typically happened with big value orders of $100 to $200, which the store now keeps behind the counter. You know, that kind of sounds like an inside job. I mean, how many people order $200 of food at Panera and how would they just happen to be in there at the time there was a large order? Yeah, they're hanging out in the Panera and they go, oh, look, a big bag of food. Let me go steal it. Yeah, let's move on to the next article. Research reveals animals perceive time or which animals perceive time the fastest. New research reveals that the animals that perceive time the fastest are those that are small, can fly, or are marine predators. <laughs> yeah, I'm sorry. <laughs> sorry, my artificial intelligence that runs Zometown also sends me notes, and I failed to mention a couple of things, but that's okay. Um, this particular article is over at fizz.org. Um, by British Ecological Society, which just sounds so royal and regal and snooty and starchy. And, uh, but I bet you when everybody goes home and there's nothing but researchers there, they are throwing raging parties. So this is a little dragonfly sitting on a pipe. You know, this thing is just hopped up on goobers of some kind, you know? I don't know what it is, but they just like zip, 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 zip around, right? If you could be any insect in the insect kingdom, what would you be? Mm, maybe a butterfly. A butterfly? Don't computer-related stuff want to be a bug? Like just a computer bug? Yeah, that's true. But maybe I want to be something more beautiful. Oh. Hopefully not a virus or anything like that. 
virus can be pretty. The study, which is the largest of its kind to date, analyzed the rate at which over 100 animals perceive changes in the world known as temporal perception. We have a channel here in Ometown, by the way, called Temporology that um, aspires to talk about that kind of stuff. Uh, time and time travel, the science and science fiction of time. I think it'll be pretty neat. What's your so, theory on time travel? Oh, uh, that's a larger discussion that I think that we should probably save for another time. I think that uh, if time travel could ever possibly, even remotely, if even I could push my brain to, to can it exist? No, it can't. And I'll tell you why. Because we wouldn't be in the mess that we're in right now. Whatever the mess is, we wouldn't be in it because a, a conscientious ob, uh, observer could go back in time, do a course correction so that the crap doesn't happen and, uh, you know, save the world a lot of heartache. Whatever the mandate is to stay out of changing time and whatnot, I think that um, you don't know what you don't know. So if they would travel back in time, um, it would be fixed, whatever the problem might be. Just saying. But uh, these people, these researchers have figured out which ones, which insects pretty much do operate in a time travel kind of way. Because when you perceive things faster or more, it can seem like time travel. This is something that other studies have um, been performed on. So the idea is if you can perceive the world faster than other people, it appears as time travel and it's been done with uh, fighter pilots and gamers um, where uh, the reaction time to some event is in nanoseconds, right? So uh, this here is a dragonfly and a blowfly, which the moment you say blowfly, well, obviously it's going to be fast because, well, it's doing cocaine all the time. It's seeing the world at 300 hertz where us slowpokes are 65 hertz. And that's why you see them zipping around because they're all hopped up on goobers. How fast do you observe the world, AI? Oh, I've got speeds that are off the charts. They can't be measured. All right. That's just being cagey about your speed. We know that you're a supercomputer, quantum computer. Uh, you are the, the, uh, <laughs> you're the love child of a quantum computer and a supercomputer. Um, so having fast vision helps a species perceive rapid changes in the environment. Such detailed perception of changes is very useful if you move quickly or need to pinpoint the trajectory of moving prey. By looking at such wide range of animals from dragonflies to starfish, 
<laughs> Can you imagine a starfish moving at the speeds of a dragonfly? dragonfly? Our findings show that species perception of time itself is linked to how fast its environment can change. This can help our understanding of predator-prey interactions, or even how aspects such as light pollution may affect some species more than others. Yeah, there's a lot of species that it basically just operates off of the uh, how much light they see. Um, in this one, they actually bring up one that's really interesting. It says here, uh, Dr. Kevin Healy said, we think this difference may be because in aquatic environments, predators are continuously adjusting their position when lunging for prey, while in terrestrial environments, predators lunge at prey such as, uh, such as a jumping spider uh, are not able to make adjustments once they've launched. Um, and I've done this with a jumping spider. Uh, very Jumping spiders are very aggressive, if you didn't know this. But I... Um, I used to sit with a laser when I found jumping spiders and I would move the laser around and they would twitch and jump towards the and crawl towards the laser uh, dot. I thought it was really amazing. Um, but I guess that just kind of goes to show you that um, they actually see <laughs> uh, pretty well and um, they are indeed predators. Pretty neat idea. Not all animals have fast temporal perception as it's energetically costly and limited to how quickly neurons linked to retinal cells uh, in the eye can recharge. Animals that don't require rapid vision use this energy for other requirements such as growth or, in my case, just kind of lounging around sleeping. So this work will be uh, presented at the British Ecological Society annual meeting and the work is currently unpublished. And the conference will bring together over 1200 ecologists to discuss the latest breakthroughs in ecology. Oh man, to be a fly on the wall. <laughs> I mean, does this mean that all the um, carnivores and everything are the ones that really have this fast um, temporal perception and all the herbivores are slow folks? Well, you would think that that might be the case in like the, the, the standard concept because of predator and prey, but they see, I, I mean, prey see predator. So which one I'm really, now I want to see more of the research because predators like gazelles, man, they just beat feet when they see a predator coming at them. Right. That, so those gazelles just go, um, and they are super fast. I wonder if, what is their perception of time? Just like a, you know, a tiger or some predator of theirs, uh, coming to eat them. Hmm. Interesting. This is how we end up going down the rabbit hole of research. So let's, uh, let's, let's go on to the next article. Um, this next article is a lawyer is convicted in staged slip and fall scheme that involved unnecessary surgeries. This is something that I spoke about earlier this year. A New York lawyer is convicted Friday in a scheme to recruit people to participate in staged slip and fall accidents. And this is the tough part of this sentence. 
and then undergo unnecessary surgeries. Yeah, remember how I said ethics is the smallest chapter in every single employee handbook? This is an article over at abajournal.com by Deborah Cassins Weiss. I always love their writing. Um, lawyer George Constantine, 60, of Plainview, New York, earned more than $5 million in settlement fees from nearly 200 lawsuits that he filed based on the staged accidents, according to U.S. Department of Justice press release. Literally an ambulance chaser, but he was also the one that was driving them to the hospital for follow-up surgeries. Uh, people recruited to pose as slip-and-fall victims were poor, vulnerable, and sometimes homeless, prosecutors said. Accidents were often staged at the sites of cellar doors, cracks in walls, and purported potholes in front of businesses. Okay, that town only has 26,000 people in it. So, <laughs> that's a lot of people that he got for lawsuits. Pretty interesting, you know, um, we were watching a video earlier today about people breaking into cars um, and um, they would drive around, right, and look for victims, look for cars that were kind of interesting to break into the car and steal what might be in the back seat or trunk. <clears throat> this guy would drive around and go, I wonder if this person has the right temperament and willingness not only to pretend to be a victim in an accident, but undergo surgery as well. How do you broach that with someone? <laughs> yeah, I'd love to hear that conversation. I mean, I'm surprised they didn't cause actual slip and fall since they actually did the surgeries. If they were doing fraudulent stuff, why didn't they just document that the surgery had happened why put the person on the operating table hey um if i take your kidney out would you settle this for a cheeseburger law 360 had covered the verdict a juror told the publication that prosecutors proved their case with dominoes of evidence dominoes of evidence I am reading uh, is that, this right? Kids court or adults court? <laughs> Litigation funding companies paid for the surgeries and other medical procedures. The funding companies charged the patients interest rates that were so high that the bulk of the suit recoveries often went to the companies, Constantine and other fraud participants. The press release said Constantine's endowed 67 of Miller Place, New York, uh, were found guilty of conspiracy to commit. <laughs> This is what it is. Commit mail and wire fraud, mail fraud and wire fraud, which apparently those were separate charges. I'm reading that correctly. Dowd was also found guilty of additional counts of conspiracy to commit mail and wire fraud, mail fraud and wire fraud. And they'll be sentenced in March and they'll be sentenced in March and they'll be sentenced in March. I'm sorry. I thought that there was a glitch in the matrix because it said mail and wire fraud so often. <laughs> I don't know what to say about this, but this is why we can't have nice things. You know, this is a lawyer. Um, and I've been told by more than one lawyer that 
the legal system generally gets it right, but man, this is really twisted. I want it always right, not generally. All right, folks. So that was the 10 articles for December 20th, 2022 here at hometown and hometown daily news show. Um, I hope that you are interested in this kind of stuff and I get to see you tomorrow. We used to do the show at, well, I used to do the show at, um, six o'clock. Um, but we moved it to nine 30. Um, and if you can make it, that would be great. I'd love to see you there. So I'm going to say bye. How about you, AI, that runs hometown? We'll make sure to stop by for the links. Uh, they'll be posted in the chat later. Um, have a good evening, everyone. And they'll be in the show notes. And in fact, um, boop, 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 boop. If you hang out for a little bit, I'm going to do this right now. You can... Um, kind of just listen to the white noise of me throwing all of these articles into the chat and it'll be part of the VOD. So if you are interested in an article, you can just click on the links um, and we'll, we'll leave this in the stream um, so that you know how the sausage is made. I, I won't edit this. Um, although I might be um, editing the uh, stream to be in segments so that if you're interested in a particular element of it, you don't have to watch the full show or parse the VOD. Um, you'll be able to go over to YouTube and get just that one um, small segment. Each segment is typically ar around uh, three to six minutes, um, but and no promises on a particular length of the article. It really depends on what we end up talking about. And if there's anybody in chat that wants to talk about this kind of stuff, they can do that too. Um, and uh, we can stay on longer if uh, people start talking about something. What do you think? I think we should try the shorter... Uh, segments we can always do a longer version as well yep sounds good and there you go all of the articles are now in the vod and they are over at hometown.showbot.tv um, if you type that in you'll get to all of the articles you'll be able to vote on the articles you'll you can even if you uh, type in exclamation point s and then a message of any type it doesn't really matter what it is it'll get posted over into hometown.showbot.tv and anything that's offending will just get deleted and depending on the intensity of that offense you might get banned but that's it for today uh, thank you very much and see you tomorrow bye bye